might uh, be in hiding, be protected. My home is my castle, so you're locked in. There is security. You can withdraw. Many are withdrawing into their bathroom and lock the doors and feel safe there. Or a closed door can mean rejection, you know, close the door in someone's face. Or a closed door can mean quiet. I want to just close the door behind me. But in the Bible, the door has a completely different significance. And let me read the word to you. It's in Revelation 3, 20 to 21. It's, Behold, I stand before the door and I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door to me, I will come to him and I will hold the meal with him and he with me. To him overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So if we look at the different kind of meanings and significances of the image of the door, that also takes us to uh, Revelation 3, 7 to 8. It says, Behold, I have given an open door to you that no one can shut. For you have a small strength and you kept my word and have not denied my name. That is Revelation 3, 7 to 8. So closed doors, of course, mean imprisonment, isolation. So everyone who's especially living at the time of quarantine, you can confirm that. Some bit more, some less. But you're not free. The doors are closed. You cannot move like you would like to. And the open door of the Word of God represents a completely new dimension. The open door for possibilities that have no limitations, unlimited possibilities, represent a new chance that He gives, a new dimension of God, a change for something new the Lord is doing. The Lord says, see, the old has passed away, now not something completely new is happening. And so it's interesting that politicians and scientists say different things. They say the time after the end of Corona crisis will be completely different. And I'm wondering, if we hear it like that, if we can re read it in the newspaper, how much more will it be true in the invisible realm? Easter represents the resurrection. Jesus is alive. And God says to you and to me, and I believe that, let the closed doors at this time be a message for your lives. Listen carefully what I'm telling you. And the message number one is God can open a door to each one of us, especially or even though the doors might be closed. So God can open doors even behind closed doors. And many times the doors are opening into a different dimension if you're unhappy. I don't know whether you feel the same thing, but for me, you know, I don't feel happy, I'm not satisfied, I want something new. And many times that's a passage, the transition to something new. So we can be locked in homes for a long time, maybe over weeks, and then that's the place that I would like to leave. And at the same time, this is also true in our own lives. We feel like locked in. Sometimes we 
somehow feel that we cannot grasp the chances that we might guess are beyond the horizon. I don't know how to get there. And that results in a sense of dissatisfaction. You are dissatisfied, and that's the best mark that God wants to do something. And I want to tell you, if you are not feeling satisfied or dissatisfied, God wants to open the door into a new dimension for you. And I don't know how you felt, but in my life, there were many times that I was dissatisfied and I knew God wanted to open a new door into a new dimension. For instance, the decision when I tried to figure out what job to train for and then the Lord opened uh, the door for full-time ministry. It was like a birthing process or for many others of us to marry and to open the door into the families or the decision to move to Tübingen and then to be begin a ministry here or maybe the decision to uh, start building the church or kingdom of God here all of these doors that we walk through have one key and the key for God's doors into a new dimension they always have a name and the name of this key for your and my door is always faith. So I'm not sure whether you ever heard anything like that before. It's a phrase, the key, or the, the phrase is, as long as it's possible to prove something, faith is impossible. And because I kind of got it wrong, I'll say this in one go. <coughs> As long as it's still possible to prove something, faith is impossible. So we want to have proof, and as long as we can prove things, it's impossible to believe. So we want to have proof, but that's not faith, actually. We want to have proof that things work without hitch. We want to have proof that we are taken care of and protected. We want to have proof that things will be well. But I tell you, faith begins where we stop demanding proof. As soon as we, s as long as proof is possible, we don't need faith. So the door will only open when you start believing. And faith always begins when I let go. So when I leave behind my old life, and secondly, if I start relying on the word of God, and thirdly, when I actually allow the ways of God to be important in my life and when I follow them. And the good news is, this kind of faith is not just for some strong people who are doing well, but Revelation 3 verse 8, it says, you are of little strength and you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. So God is able to open a door in every situation. There was a neurologist and uh, psychiatrist, Viktor Frankl. He lived uh, last century and he was deported to Auschwitz together with his family. Together with his family, he was deported. He was questions, they killed his family, they locked him into a prison cell that had no way out, and I tell you, a room without open doors is a prison. But you know, 
he found a door that the guards did not know anything about. He was in his dark prison dungeon without doors, no possibilities to get out. But he discovered that doors are not just something physical, but Frankl discovered something. He realized that in a time where all the doors outside were locked, there were actually doors that were much, much more important. And these are doors where he was able to step out of fear into courage. He could leave hatred behind and enter into forgiveness from desperation into gratitude. And he was able to walk through that door into gratitude. And Viktor Frankl discovered that his guards, who were so cruel and caught up in, in cruelty themselves, they were in much greater imprisonment than he actually in his dark dungeon. And Viktor Frankl, Frankl, when he was delivered from Auschwitz and Theresienstadt, one of his most famous uh, works that he wrote in '46, his book, Despite All, Saying Yes to Life, and his door was opened through a very simple decision. And please, let's hear that. He was in the dungeon, and there was no door in that dungeon. But year after year, he was surrounded by cruelty. But he had a door that was more important and brought him out of his imprisonment. It was a different door in his mind, in his spirit. And that door was his simple decision. You know, some people have to learn this lesson and then they become free. But others never understand that this is a door of decision and they remain prisoners for the rest of their lives. And I want to tell you, there always is a door for you, always a door that opens up. There was a researcher at the Columbia University and she found out that on average every human being uh, makes 70 conscious decisions per day. There is 55,000 decisions per year and in 70 years you have about 1,788,000 decisions in 70 years and if you take all of that, um, when you take all those, those decisions, you know who you are. All the decisions that you made because of accusation, because of fear or bitterness, they will govern your life. But all the decisions you make because of faith, they will also determine your life. I have opened a door for you. He asks us, who will walk through that door? Behold, I have opened a door to you that no one can close. That's Revelation 7, verse 8. So let's remember that. A room without open doors is a prison. But Easter is the festival, the celebration of resurrection. Jesus is alive. Jesus has overcome sin forever. He, 
Jesus is a God of open doors. And if you're listening to me, probably some uh, he listen here and tell the person sitting right or left of you, tell them, my God is a God of open doors. God's doors are not always open, but what we also need to learn that we can actually miss the doors as well. These doors can actually close if we say no to him. So let's take a look at eight different open doors of faith. Eight open doors in the Bible, okay? We'll walk through this very quickly, but it will be very important. And I believe the door Lord will be speaking to you just as he's spoken to me. The first door is the door of the ark. We've been speaking about this many, many times. It's Genesis 7, verse 16. So he, the Lord brought all the animals together, and Noah collected them and gathered them, and then the Lord closed the door behind him. The Lord shut him in. We read that in verse 16. And the Bible says that the people on earth, all mankind was depraved, everything that came from their hearts, all their, their plans, all their desires were evil. That's what we read in Genesis 6 verse 5. And God was grieved that he had made man on the earth. And so he decided to bring the flood and kill off all mankind. But then he charged Noah to build an ark with a door. And everyone was actually allowed to walk through that door year after year. I mean, he took forever building it. And Noah was proclaiming this news and he was warning people. And everyone was actually allowed to enter, but nobody wanted to. They were mocking him and they did not believe him. Until the flood came and the world was judged and sin was judged. But those who had gone through that door, they were saved. And so the story of the Ark of Noah is the story that doors can actually be open during the time of judgment. At some point they will be closed. We can miss those doors. And that's what happened for Noah. The door was closed, they were shut in, and they were inside. The first door of the ark is the door of salvation. There is salvation from sin and guilt. A life that's against the living God. So I don't know how you were trained. I was raised humanistically, um, but when I met Jesus, my l biggest obstacle was the thought behind it, the, the thought that I was supposed to be guilty before God, I didn't really understand this and I didn't really accept this because I tried to do everything right. I tried to be a good human. I tried to be tolerant. So why was I supposed to humble my knees and to repent and confess my sin? I had never understood anything of that sort. And I did not know that even in my very nature I was separated from Jesus and my entire life was focused on living independently from God. 
So that didn't have anything to do with any of the good or bad things I had done in my life. But there is a rebellious nature in me that's against God, and that takes us to the second door, the door of Passover. And we've uh, just uh, heard the story of Passover frequently in the past few days. So Moses actually leads the people of Israel out of the exile in Egypt, slavery. And the night before they leave Egypt, he installs Passover. And the Israelites were charged to take a lamb without fault and defect. And they put the blood on the doorposts. And this actually saved them from the 10th plague. And again, they were behind closed doors in their homes. And we know that uh, from the Gospel of John, is, uh, when, when John says, Behold the Lamb of God. So Jesus is the Passover Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. This is what we read in the Gospel of John. So this Passover door stands for deliverance. So the shadow of death passes by the houses and they are delivered from slavery of sin. I just uh, spoke about this, that the way that I was uh, raised in a humanistic home, I'm very grateful for a very whole family that I was raised in. But at the same time, I thought I was actually to do something good for God. Until at some point, I received a prophetic word and somebody told me, Jobs, you know, what you think is white is actually black before my eyes and it's not worth anything at all. And so for me, that was really hard for someone to have me tell that. But I knew God was speaking to me. And then the word continued and said, Jobs, you are doing the things you're doing just out of your own strength. You don't trust me. Because 98% life by grace means 2% in your own strength. And even that is guilt before me. And I repented. I asked the Lord's forgiveness. So First Peter 1 verse 18. For you all know the price God paid to deliver you from the slavery of sin. And you know, even if sin is hidden behind a mantle of respectiveness. So let's take a look at the next door. These are the inner doors of the temple. So we know images of the temple, illustrations, the temple that was in Jerusalem. For almost, it was almost 500 years after Moses that King Solomon built it, and he actually put two doors at the entrance to the inner sanctuary. And we know that the Holy of Holies was separated by a huge curtain. And in the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant was located. And that on the Ark, there was the throne of grace. And inside were the Ten Commandments the stone tablets, they were placed into the ark. And no human being was allowed to enter. It was the place of God's holiness. And only once a year, the high priest was allowed to enter, only after purifying himself, after sacrificing. And then he was allowed to enter that place. And he had little bells at the hem of his garment. And if he hadn't purified himself, if there was still sin in his life, people supposed that he would drop dead right there. And he had a rope 
around his ankle so they'd be able to pull him out again. And that was only once a year on Yom Kippur. That was the time when the high priest purified himself on behalf of the people. But why was that? Because sin always separates us from God and closes the access to God. And my friends, when Jesus cried out in the ninth hour, it is finished, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know not what they do. The curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom, and the doors opened up, and, the, and access to the presence of God, to the love of the Father, was free. So I don't know what you feel like. But in the beginning of my life as a Christian, I thought that I was able to find, would be able to find God in holy places. And I sometimes sat in churches and I thought maybe I meet God here. But it never happened. We won't find God in certain hidden places. Jesus died so you could have access to the Father in heaven wherever you are. In your living room, in your dining room, behind your computer, at your desk, wherever you are right now, that you would have free access. And the blood and sacrifice of Jesus is the door for free access to the Father who loves you, to his forgiveness. And if today you listen here and you make that decision to open your hearts, if you claim that blood for yourself with a childlike prayer saying, Father, forgive me, he will open the door for salvation and redemption and you can enter into the presence of God. You come directly into his presence today. You don't have to go seek out certain places. You don't need church buildings as important as they may be. And we are really desiring for being able to celebrate services together again. But the Lord wants to transform your living room, your bedroom, wherever you are, into a place where the living presence of God can be found just as it was in the temple, by his blood and his forgiveness. The fourth door is the door to the sheep. The word of God says in John 10, Jesus himself says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And maybe if we take a look at that image in biblical times, the shepherds would sleep at the door leading to wherever the sheep were. Maybe they were in a big field or a pen where the sheep were kept. And actually the shepherd was like the door. He took care that the sheep were protected. That's why Jesus says, I am the door for the sheep. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. So that is the door to the sheep. Jesus is the door to the sheep. And these sheep represent salvation and redemption, but they also, because they are not by themselves, they represent the church, who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior and follow him. So that's the only way how we will receive redemption, going through that door, Jesus, and then be part of a church, doesn't matter which denomination, but to be part of that family, who follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior and who are obedient to his word. So when I 
gave my life to Jesus. I was invited to go to a free church. I didn't know anything about that. It was completely alien to me. You know, when to stand, when to sit, what songs to sing. I had no idea. But I knew. I had gone through such a new gate. And that meant that I followed Jesus and lived according to his word. And I read in Acts uh, 2 verse 41, all who accepted him were baptized and every day 2,000 people were added to the church. So these two things go together, salvation and life together, f following Jesus. And unfortunately, my friends, there were hired hands who came in past few years and they have so many managed to transform churches into empty places. So to draw people out and actually to uh, influence them against church so they would leave the church. And so hundreds of thousands have left their own churches and congregations at the back door and they entered directly into the prison of accusation, bitterness and hatred. And we have forgotten what it means that Jesus actually wants to give us life in fullness because he said, I've come to give life in fullness. I am the open gate to the sheep. So before you, there's an open door, an open gate. And maybe you're listening at this Easter and you realize many things have gone wrong in your life. Maybe you've been imprisoned by bitterness, hatred, accusations, or you made wrong decisions, you took wrong decisions, or you uh, took a wrong turn at the crossroads. But today is the time when you can take a new decision. God says, I have opened a new door for you. And this door, that's the fifth door, that's the cross. That's the open door of redemption. Second Chronicles 5, verse 21. Because he made him who knew of no sin, he made him sin for us. So we would be made the righteousness of God. So the word of God says, we all have sinned and rebelled against God. And all of us who believe in him, we can walk through this gate of redemption and this word we know in John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so all who believe in him should not perish but have eternal life you only have to believe the door is open and this faith doesn't work if you're looking for proof as I mentioned earlier on this faith begins where we stop demanding proof and simply say, yes, Lord, here I am. This door of faith will only open up once we say, I am willing to walk through it. I'm willing to take that risk of faith. This new door only opens up once we leave behind the old. And once we say, yes, Lord, I trust in your promises. And the third thing is, yes, I actually will follow your new ways. And that brings us to the sixth door. And that's the door of resurrection and victory. That's the door of the tomb. 
The stone is rolled away. Hallelujah and amen. Matthew 28. He's not here, but he's alive. He's risen. So after Jesus was crucified, he was raised from the dead on the third day. And that was the morning when the stone was rolled away. And this resurrection shows that Jesus is the Son of the living God. This stone was, that was rolled away, that's the door of faith that was opened to us. You can believe. Every human being has this capability. God has embedded this deeply into your life. That's not just for some specialists. But Jesus says in John 10, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. And everyone who believes in me will not die forevermore. You know, that it's, it says that here. Then he asked her, do you believe this? And, you know, I don't know how you feel, but I couldn't believe this for such a long time. But then there was one point when I just said, Lord, help my unbelief. I don't know how to do this, but I say yes to you. And that's the seventh door. And second to last, the narrow door. The Bible says there's a wide and a narrow door. And everyone who has ever gone to Israel, and if you have gone to Bethlehem in the uh, church of, of the birth, it, there's a very narrow door and you have to really crawl through it. And the Lord says the door of following him is small and insignificant and we have to humble ourselves to go through. We read that in Matthew 7, go through the narrow door because the path is broad that leads to perdition and many will walk through that. So there's a wide door, there's many images for it. Many Christians, many believers walk on that broad path and they've got a label Christian, but they're still compromising with sin. And they've got this label, I live a Christian lifestyle, but I still do what I want. I live according to the principles of this world. And there is hordes of Christians, of believers, people who have actually turned their backs on Jesus and whose fire has died down. And the only way to be saved from the consequences of sin is to go through that narrow gate, to humble ourselves, ask forgiveness, and say, Lord, I want to live just the way you told us to, to live in holiness and to your glory. So it's a time of crossroads right now. It's a time to leave the broad road and to follow on the narrow road. And the eighth door and gate, and that's the end of my message, and I want to pray for you, is the door of the Holy Spirit. So we see the disciples meeting in Jerusalem. They also had these closed doors. And Jesus had told them, when I leave you, I will send the Holy Spirit. And so they met, we all know, Acts 2, we know what happened at Pentecost. And they gathered together and the power of the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples. The flames of fire came down, fire fell. And actually this door for Pentecost is the door of fire that they will walk through. So... That's the equipment of every Christian, every believer. And I still remember when I was a new believer, I remember people coming to me and say, Jesus, it's wonderful that you come uh, 
to Jesus, but now you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And I was really upset at first, but then I was so hungry. I was dissatisfied, as I shared at the beginning of my message. And that was what opened the door for me. I said, Lord, would you give that to me? I need more of you. Lord, as a believer, I'm frustrated. I always come to my limits. And then I really said, yeah, I need to pray for something. Always before falling asleep, I prayed, Holy Spirit, touch me, fill me, whatever the way you want to do that. And I still remember how I prayed, and suddenly the heavens opened up, and the Holy Spirit came upon me, and my my prayer changed, and it became a prayer in tongues. It, no enthusiastic hype was happening, but it was purely God alone. The Holy Spirit came into my room. Do you still remember? He is not limited to certain places, but the Holy Spirit can come wherever we confess our sin before Him, where we reach out for Him, where we want more, reaching out for Him. He will come to us immediately, wherever we are. So this is the time when the Lord has opened the doors, also for you personally. And my question is, will we enter through these gates at this time? Because these are not the doors of our homes, even those doors will open again. But what will happen then? Because we might come into a time when things, the restrictions are lifted and people can leave again, but you're still captive in your fear and hatred and whatever, or you can be behind closed doors and at the same time you discover the secret of Viktor Frankl, who said yes to life. And he said, I want to see this new door. I want to leave that prison. And I decide to go through that open door. Now, what will you do together with Jesus today? Jesus is alive. That's the message of Easter. Jesus is not a dead God. He's not a religion. Jesus is the son of the living God who's here today and who wants to meet with you today. And my answer here has eternal consequences. Where will you spend eternity? The decision which door you're walking through today will determine where you will spend your eternity. And if your own door is still closed today, Jesus says, I have opened a door to you that is much more important than the door of your house. Behold, I have opened a door for you that no man can close again. Faith begins where we stop demanding proof. Faith begins where we stop calculating, oh, this has to happen and that has to happen. The door starts to open where we begin believing and then you walk through. The Holocaust survivor, Viktor Frankl, he lived in a prison but he opened the door through a simple decision by saying yes, simply yes to life. Jesus says, I am the life. Your simple yes to Jesus today will open the door into a new dimension, will open the door into a dimension of childhood to God, that you can be his child. Faith always opens a door for you to be able to let go. And so we need to let go of the old things. We need to be willing to rely on God's promises. And we need to 
agree to God's ways and say, Lord, you take charge over my life. And you know, for people, it's the same way like for you and me. People who might feel weak, who might say about themselves, you know, there are people who are so much more talented than I am. But here it says, you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. That is Revelation 3 verse 8. So I would like to proclaim this word over you at the end of my message. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Who believes in me will live even though he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will not die in forevermore. Everyone who lives and believes in me will not die forevermore. And then he asks her, do you believe this? So let me repeat this. But faith always begins where you stop demanding proof and simply say yes. That's where my life with Jesus began. Faith means that we decide and say yes to the open doors. And by praying and saying, Lord, I need you, as my savior I don't want to remain outside the door like all those people who stood outside the ark and I want to invite you now to make that decision today together with me today at Easter the decision no longer to run after facts but that you would pass through that door of faith and maybe for the first time or repeatedly afresh you would say yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior and I would like to pray for you in that case and I would like to ask you wherever you are just stand and place your hand upon your heart as a symbol that with all your heart you come to Jesus now Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for everyone who's joined us here online. And thank you, Lord, for the open doors that you have given for us. Thank you for Easter, for your resurrection, that you're alive. And there are so many people watching here and you're doubting, you're sitting in your prison, you're struggling. And Lord, today we want to take this decision, saying, I swap my unbelief, my search for proof, my doubts, my worries, my fears, I swap that for your redemption. And I invite you now to pray that simple childlike prayer with me. That's a prayer of surrender, saying, Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for your infinite love. I thank you that you went to the cross for me that you died for me. And now I give you my heart. I ask your forgiveness for all my sin. And I thank you for your precious blood and your mercy and forgiveness. And I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. And I invite you to come into my life. I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior. 
And Father, I'm praying now that you would touch all these people who've prayed this prayer with all their hearts, to touch them now, that you would tell them, I've accepted you, I've redeemed you, I've saved you, I've opened that door for you, the door of becoming a child of God. The curtain has been torn and as of today you can say that you have become a child of God and Father I pray for all those who have turned their backs on you in their hearts because they were hurt by church by pastors who went away from you and who are still caught in that prison of accusation and bitterness and I'm praying for you if this is true for you that you would also be able to pray that, to say, Lord, I leave that prison now. I walk away. Today, on Easter Sunday 2020, I declare that I no longer stay in that prison, but I return because I know that Jesus is the gate to the sheep. And I overcome my past now and let go. And I am willing to actually agreed to church once again. It doesn't matter which denomination, but those who follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, proclaiming His word. And Father, I pray for all those now who used to walk on that broad road, that they'd be able to say, yeah, I will leave that broad road of compromise now. And this Easter Sunday 2020, I go through the narrow gate the gate of living a holy life to the glory of God. And Lord, there are some people here who say, yeah, I long for a touch of the Holy Spirit. I also want to pray for you now. The Holy Spirit's waiting for you. His word says that if we ask him for the Holy Spirit, he won't give us a stone instead of bread. And so I pray for you in the name of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, thank you that you are touching them now and filling them because you've seen their desire, this dissatisfaction, the feeling of always coming up against their own limitations. And you can simply ask the Holy Spirit to touch you, equip you and fill you from head to toe. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are doing this right now in the name of Jesus. So there are so many doors that we can walk through. God has prepared open doors for you. And walking through those gates, through those doors, just takes one decision. And the Lord is helping you right now to take this decision. And I bless you, and I wish you a blessed Easter celebration, Easter celebration where you experience the power and presence of God because you know that Jesus is the one who works miracles and who moves his mighty arm. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. We will hear the Aaronic benediction in a moment, but I want to invite you because we've got something planned for you, very special. I want to invite you that you won't remain on your own with your decision and your prayer. And I believe this is quite unique. We are doing it for the first time now. We've tested it during our online prayer conference. We had 400 people who joined us in our online prayer chambers. 
And it was a wonderful experience. And so we want to invite you now that after the Aaronic Benediction, we'll tell you how to do this, but that you would actually log in. We will have four special prayer rooms where we will be ministering to you personally. We have our staff there, and they will help you in your prayer. And one of those rooms is spe especially for you if you want to make a new start with Jesus today. You sense the Holy Spirit has spoken to you. And you know you want to do that. Then go and join that room. And we'll tell you in a moment how to do that. The second one is a room for healing. If you're watching and you need healing, we will pray for you personally there. And then we'll have one room. You are longing for a touch and infilling of the Holy Spirit. And again, we will be so happy to pray with you. And then there's also a room for all those who have personal needs, who have prayer requests, and we'll also pray for you there. And so we will hear the Aaronic Benediction in a moment, and then Guido Kasch, pastor of Tost Church here, will uh, dismiss you, and he'll explain to you how to do this. So God bless you. And have a really tremendous, blessed, powerful Easter celebration with open doors. Because the Lord has opened the doors already. God bless you.